This is Mission.org. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Mentorship is a sexy topic that gets thrown around in a lot of interviews, but this week's guest does more than just talk about it. I caught up with her, JC LaPierre, the US Chief Strategy and Communications Officer at PwC, as she was wrapping up with a regular mentorship session that she offers to her team. If you really wanna see change, make some changes to your schedule. Allocate time to the things that you say are important, such as molding a younger generation of leaders and do something about it. We have to listen and you have to listen in big ways and small ways. You have to listen through formal channels. You have to listen through informal channels. Before I jumped onto this, I was in a, what I call coffee chat with about 15 members of my team. And I do them three times a week. And I just open sign up for 15 people, max of 15 people, just jump on in if you wanna just have coffee and talk for an hour. It is one of my most effective listening channels. It takes time, it takes effort to listen, but if you really pay attention, my team tells me what I need to do. My team tells me how I need to communicate better. They help tell me what steps I need to take to make it better for them and to help us have more impact to driving our results. But it all starts with taking the time and creating the spaces to listen. JC leads by example through active listening to her team and their clients. And she does that through her actions as opposed to just rhetoric. In this episode, learn more about the ways JC is focusing on stakeholder and audience personalization and the need for good communication in a large organization. Also, we get into the shift of the ways that people are consuming media. Plus, JC provides us with an update on PwC's new strategy more than six months into its launch. Hear more from JC and PwC on this episode of Marketing Trends. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And today I'm super honored to have JC Lapierre, who is the U.S. Chief Strategy and Communications Officer at PwC. JC, welcome to the show. Jeremy, thank you so much. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love if you can come everywhere with me and introduce me exactly as you just did. And no problem. Yeah. And actually, this is not this is welcome back because you were previously on the show with our uh, previous host, Ian. Shout out to Ian if you're out there. Um, so this is your second second round here on Marketing Trends, which I'm super pumped to have you. Can't wait. I am very excited to we have a lot to share. So I'm really excited to get started. <sighs> yeah, I'm very I'm very bullish on PwC. Like, I, you know, when I think about you know, the big players in your space and some of them we've spoken to and, and, but PwC, I have a special place in my heart because of Sunit Dua, who I interviewed. Sunit was actually my first interview on another show that I host 
called Business X Factors. He was my first one. And not only is he an amazing human, like you, I'm sure you know that, um, but just to hear the things that PwC was up to at scale was incredible. And he just kind of shed some light on some really beautiful things. And like you, he's been there a while. You've been to PwC how long? Uh, since college, which I suppose is 25 years. I prefer you don't do the math, but 25 years. <laughs> okay, got it. When I try to kind of take in, okay, JC, who has this real tenure at PwC. And I know from your previous interview, you've worked in various parts of this business. You've worked in marketing and finance and operations and chief of staff and done all of these things around this business. Now to be at the helm of strategy, communications and marketing and probably some other things. I just want to know from my perspective, you know, to, to commit to PwC for that long in a world that's changing rapidly, in a world where there's a hundred thousand things you could have leaped off and done and created. You chose to stay on this really wild wave and ride it to this current space in your life. I just kind of want to hear what that's like. What's it like being there? What's the career been like for you? And if there's some highlights, great. I'm sure there's plenty, but um, it's just an honor to speak to someone who's been there that long and the things that you've, you've seen, just amazing. So tell us what that's been like. Thank you, Jeremy. I love this question. And it really is incredible when I think about when I graduated from college, I was a bartender and I had no idea what it is I wanted to do. And quite honestly, I didn't know what an audit was or what taxes were and I hadn't done mine. So I had a really big road to travel here. Um, but PwC, I, I stayed for 25 years because of two things. I've stayed because the people I have been surrounded by, you just named one of them, Sunit have inspired me. They've taught me. They've mentored me. I've just worked on the coolest projects with them. They've cared for me when life has been hard. And you said there's been a lot of highlights, which there have, but there's also been lowlights and that's life. And the PwC family rallies around you when you're in those moments. And that is something that I don't think you can place a value on. And the second thing is that I have gotten to work on the coolest projects and help our clients solve some really big problems. And that is our purpose to build trust in society and solve important problems and to get to work with clients of all different industries and all different leaders and to help them to grow and to thrive is really just an incredible thing. So been a part of that wave of change and I have loved doing a number of different things. That's amazing. How do you now, after all of this really cool experience, like, you know, if any if anyone knows who PwC is, they get to work with some of the most phenomenal brands in the world, global reach. So what is, when I think about your problem solving muscle, and I know we can't see your problem solving muscle, but I would imagine that JC LaPierre's problem solving muscle is massive. And so is there kind of an approach that you have when it comes to problem solving now that you've learned along your 20 plus years because you're solving some of the most complex problems for some of the biggest brands in the world. What's some of the kind of takeaways from having, having jumped into those different environments and supported these brands in solving these problems? Yeah, it all starts with listening. No matter what role I've been in, and you mentioned I've had quite a few, I think I've had like nine lives, nine careers in my time at PwC. But I think that one of the most important things anyone can do in any relationship, personal or professional, is to truly listen and to ask really effective open-ended questions, questions without judgments, questions without assumptions, embedded assumptions, and to really try to understand what is it that you aspire to do? What are the impediments or obstacles to getting there? What's the opportunity? And then when you've listened to a whole bunch of different data points and a whole bunch of different perspectives, 
you can start to build. Wow. Well, you just you just nailed the thing that I asked Sunit at the end of our interview. This was last year or beginning of this year. Sorry. And I asked Sunit, I said, what is the one skill you've cultivated in your time there? And he said, listening. And he went on to explain the connection there. And so I've had some phenomenal executives like yourself on the show and other shows. And I love asking that question of like, what's the one thing? And listening comes up sometimes, um, but I love that it came up for you because boy, oh boy, it's not just paying lip service to that word. You really have to listen. There's a quality of listening that to me you've cultivated that is, it is it's, it's like a superpower to be able to really listen. And not just me, but my entire team as the person that gets to be the guardian of our purpose and to get to tell the story of PwC to every one of our stakeholders, internal and external. And again, everything at PwC is a team sport. I don't do any of this by myself. We have to listen and you have to listen in big ways and small ways. You have to listen through formal channels. You have to listen through informal channels. I just, before I jumped onto this, I was in a, what I call coffee chat with about 15 members of my team. And I do them three times a week. And I just open sign up for 15 people, max of 15 people. Just jump on in if you want to just have coffee and talk for an hour. It is one of my most effective listening channels. It takes time. It takes effort to listen. But if you really pay attention, my team tells me what I need to do. My team tells me how I need to communicate better. They help tell me what steps I need to take to make it better for them and to help us have more impact to driving our results. But it all starts with taking the time and creating the spaces to listen. I love it. And I feel like we could talk about listening a lot because it's it's just so valuable. And, and because you're such a badass and we have you today, I want to keep circling around this a little bit because you know, other, other chief marketing officers, other marketing leaders and executives that will listen to this show, that that's who our audience, it's folks like you across the fortune 500 and beyond. And I know that hearing from you is going to be very valuable. I'm curious about this intersection of listening, but then also execution, because you look, you know, better than, than most leaders that we're moving at. There's a velocity that's happening. It's incredible. Yet we have to pause. We have to, there has to be some moment of what are we going to do? Then you have all this innovation, this technology and this team. And if you slow down for a minute, there goes your competitor. How do you kind of balance that intersection of yes, listen, but then execute? And if, because to me, you can act too fast and then up, oh, we should have waited or, you know, or the other. And I'm curious how you navigate that. It's an incredible question. I'm not sure that I have the answer, but I'll share a few thoughts. I think one of the things is to make sure you know where your North Star is. Right. For me, it's so important. And that's why when we rolled out our new strategy, the new equation, it was so important to spend time explaining to everybody why. And ultimately, the new equation is our fundamental belief that all companies are going to have to contend with building trust with their stakeholders and driving sustained outcomes as they move forward in order to continue to be able to thrive. And when you share that North Star and people truly understand where they're headed and why that is so important and why we believe that. I think it makes it much easier to determine when you can act and when there's a moment, an inflection point that there's something that needs to be said versus when you still need to listen to inform your point of view. And so the pace is moving so quickly. In fact, too quickly for many of us, the velocity is only increasing. And I think too often we get caught in the activity rather than taking a step back and reminding ourselves, what is it that we're trying to work towards? Okay, we're talking about data and cybersecurity, which is hugely important. But take a step back, 
And remember, we're talking about it because it's how do you build trust with your stakeholders? How do you build trust with your consumers? How do you build trust with your employees? How do you build trust with your investors? Do we have something new to say or do we need to listen because there's stuff happening and we've got to pay attention and then we will put out something new to say to them? And that's the art is not getting caught in the activity, but remembering the why and the ultimate North Star, the ultimate mission. How did you and the leadership, you know, come up with this idea of like, okay, we do, we're doubling down on trust. We're doubling down on building trust. How did you derive that? And how are you building this new trust in this new world? So we have the benefit of with you know almost 300,000 people across the globe, we have some incredible minds and we have access to incredible leaders. And our global strategy leader, he spent an extraordinary amount of time along with our leadership team talking to a number of leaders, public, private, uh, across every country. And he said there were five themes that came out of what the leaders all believed was happening in the world. And he said, I, I never get consistency of answer. And I had such a consistency of answer that these things I know to be true. And we call this the ADAPT framework. There's five forces that are pushing on the world in significant ways. First is asymmetry. We see asymmetry primarily in the income inequality gap, but you see it in other ways in which you see haves and have nots. And when you talk about velocity, that is getting bigger. COVID did expose that to get much bigger. Adapt D, disruption, that gets at both technological disruption as well as climate disruption, climate risk. Both of those have fundamentally changed industries. They've changed the way that business works. They've changed the environment is changing at such a huge space. And we see that center of the news, both of those. The second A in ADAPT is age. So you have an aging population. In every country, it's a little bit different. But in the U.S., we do have an aging population. We have fewer workers than we used to. And in fact, that trend is going to continue. And we are going to have fewer people to work in the workforce. The P is for polarization. I think we all see it's happening within our four walls. It's happening across the globe. But that increased polarization and the us against them mentality that is growing. And when you think about all of those happening, the T is for trust. And when you take a step back, the question is, are you going to do the things that help to build trust, that help to address these massive issues that are going to threaten a lot of society, communities, businesses? But do you choose to accept that and take that opportunity to build trust with an ever-growing number of stakeholders who have more transparent platforms to give their opinion of what they think of you? Or will you make decisions that potentially take away from that trust? We believe those forces are so big. We believe that it is time to act and that the time to act is limited, that we wanted to galvanize around that. And so we said, we are going to go very long and we are going to say that it is all about building trust and we want to help companies do the things so they can build trust so that we can solve some of these big issues. Wow. Is there maybe an example or a story you can tell uh, where there's a brand, you don't have to mention the brand or maybe the industry that you're starting to implement some of these new things and some of the things you're seeing across those stakeholders? Yeah. I So you're right. I can't mention any individual name yeah, or brand. I figured that. <laughs> But I think one way to bring it to life is one of the significant commitments that we made out of uh, launching the new equation, because not only do we want to help our clients build trust, but we need to build trust. Like we also take our own medicine and we make sure that as PwC, we are actually doing the thing. And so we launched what's called the Trust Leadership Institute. And what that is, is a commitment to bring together business executives. We hope by the end of it, about 10,000 business executives will have gone through it. 
and come together to convene over these issues because there is no playbook for how to lead today. It is a very different landscape than those of us that were leading five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years mm-hmm. ago. So how can we come together and accelerate it? And why I said that as an answer is let me share what some of the tracks are. So these people, we just launched our first session two weeks ago. We have 200 incredible business executives who are coming together to try to learn, to build, and to solve. And so some of the tracks we're working on, which comes to this, how do you build trust tactically? One of the tracks is in data and technology. How do you build responsible and inclusive AI? How do you know that you are protecting data the way that you need to? Another track, cybersecurity and privacy. We know through a lot of our research that consumers think about, when they think about trust with businesses, cybersecurity and privacy is one of the very top considerations they have. So what can we do to make sure that we are protecting ourselves, our customers, and the information we have if there is a breach? Think about another track is around value chains and how do you really look at your value chain end-to-end? Talking about ESG, you can't get out of a business conversation. You can't go into a boardroom without that being a topic. How do you really understand every single part of your value chain and understand the risks embedded in it, but also the opportunities to make a difference and to think differently about where you source things so that you can drive a more sustainable planet. So those are just three of the nine tracks that we have, but you can imagine that at PwC, not only are we doing this in a way, and there's no cost for this, this is something we are just offering generally, but we also sell projects to help accomplish those things and work with our clients because we believe in each of those, you are building trust. Wow, so Trust Leadership Institute is executives can engage in this now? They sure can. We will run three to four cohorts a year. Okay. And we have reached out and we've been spending time with a lot of business executives. Uh, We've had a number reach out to us as well. And we, like I said, we hope to have 10,000 through. We aspire to have 50% of that audience be diverse, whether women or racially and ethnically minorities. So we are thrilled. And uh, I was at the launch two weeks ago where we kicked it off and I'm, I'm just super excited for the power that the business community can create. I really believe this is an opportunity for us to all step up. I love it. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, the age old, great responsibility, great power. This is where, this is the intersection where we're at now. Correct. So I I love it. And it's something that I'm now noticing. It's kind of a theme that I I picked up when I interviewed Sunit. I'm seeing it with you as well. And this, this is really this idea that PwC is not just paying lip service to, to really caring and giving. There's a ton of value that you create for the world that's available, you know? And I was blown away at some of the things that PwC, I was like, I can do this without being a client. I can just get on this track and I can better myself as an executive. And so that's been a cool part of the fabric of PwC. And for me, you know, having spent time at Google and some some pretty big organizations, sometimes you lo- you kind of lose that you can lose that connection in that way and that momentum. It feels like PwC with a few hundred thousand people still keeps that, hey, we actually care and we actually are with you across all these things. So that's beautiful. Yeah, we don't ever profess that we always get it right. So I want to be very clear that we make lots of mistakes and I'm happy to share the things we don't quite get right in addition to those that we get right. But I I try to keep it really simple with the comms team and in terms of when I work with our leadership team with how we tell our story to our stakeholders. And I think it's just three simple things. I think one, you have to define your intent. Like you have to let people know what you're trying to do or where you're trying to go before 
something happens that then they want to question what it is that you're doing. So up front, and I'm really, it's really important to me that we shout our story from the rooftops. People don't have to listen, but I want to make sure we've put out our intent and what we are trying to accomplish. Step two, you've got to walk the walk. Like it can't be just talk. And right now, as I said, with so many people really looking at and pushing on, and that's not a bad thing. It's a really good thing that they're pushing on business to really step up. If you say this, I need you to do something. And then the third step, very simply, is letting people know how you did. Mm. And you don't have to have gotten it right. Like you really, the audience allows for you to make mistakes if you own them. And I would suggest a lot of times they're not even mistakes. You just, you learned, you innovated, you tried, you took a step didn't yield the results that perhaps you wanted. So here's what we learned from it. Here's where we're going to go. And I think it's so important that we all sort of embrace that because it is what is being demanded. And I really can't see a way that we can do any different. Hmm. Well, how do you view, how do you view failure now? Like, how do you view it and experience failure? So I separate it into two things. I separate, as I just said, innovation from failure. And I think that in particular at PwC, we have a hard time with this because we've got a lot of type A, really hard charging people that all got all A's in school. And when they don't get it right, they really feel not so good. <laughs> and so I think that trying to embed more innovation and experimentation, and especially now as we are operating in these new environments, like try something like it's okay to try and then but you have to learn quickly and you have to fail fast and adapt and continue. So that I'm all for, like that I think is critically important to the continued evolution of your organizations. Failure, when you actually get it wrong and whether malintent or just really didn't plan correctly and didn't get it right, you've got to own that quickly. And you've got to acknowledge like that was a mistake that is not how we intend to operate, or that is in fact what we learned how we do operate and we're gonna do some things differently and let us tell you how. Wow. Do you have a favorite failure you can think of in the past 20 something years? <laughs> I don't have, I don't know that I would say a favorite failure because I am also one of those type A hard chargers that really takes, <laughs> takes failure to heart. Um, but I will say one of the most important learnings I've had in the last couple of years is around our own journey with data transparency. And so we released our first diversity and inclusion report last year. And then this year we built upon it and we broadened it into a purpose report, really focusing on our own ESG journey as well and expanding it to environmental and some other things that we do. I have learned a real lot in terms of sharing data where while we did get better in some areas, we did not get better in certain areas. And for others, that to them is a failure, especially for something that is so near and dear to us, which is diversity and inclusion. And I think it's so important to really help. And again, we followed that we had defined our intent. We're taking a lot of actions. They're not all working the ways that we intended them to. And then we acknowledge them and we move on and there we go. Wow. So from a first bucket, you know, we'll put that one. Not everything's working the way that it is. Wow. What are some of the ways that you're thinking about helping your team understand the story of a new strategy? So this is something where I've also changed a little bit. And I do think it's a, a little bit about the moment in time that we're in. I think that for a long time, 
I would think of, we sent out a communication, we shared a story. Now it's time to make it better and to build. So you go from awareness to build very quickly, and then you continue on the build journey. And with COVID, with the last 18 months we've had, with social unrest, I think that a lot of people's mental capacity is not where it quite was. And I do think that we've got to focus on simplicity and repetition and consistency. And so I actually have charged my team and I really mean this, like, I don't want you to continue to innovate and to build, build, build. Like we have a story, it's a really good story. We just gotta keep telling it. Like, let's keep going with the consistency and let's try to make life as simple as possible for others because right now life doesn't feel simple. And I think that the, the folks that are going to be heard are the ones that make it really simple and easy to be heard. Mm. I remember when I was um, in college, I was talking to my mom and I was really proud of my vocabulary. Uh, that was a moment in time where I was, you know, again, trying to show everybody that I had a broad vocabulary. And my mom called me and she said, you know, the point of talking is to be understood. She said, I don't understand why you're trying to make things so complicated. She goes, keep it simple and don't try to be something more than what you need to be. Wow. And so it's that, that advice that keeps coming into my ear when I think about right now, how to be heard. Mm, I mean, that's something that I keep hearing just regarding scaling organizations is simplicity. It's like simplicity is what scales. You look at some of these folks that are going from seven figures to eight and eight to nine and nine on up. And it's like you, as you look at their story in the arc, you realize how they have done their best to remove unnecessary complex things and keep it simple. Like through the fabric of the organization in finance, in operations, in marketing, in sales, like how do we keep it simple? And then to your point, how do we do that and tell our story and connect and keep telling that story and support people through that. Are there some permanent changes you've made at PwC regarding this long-term strategy since the events of last year and a half? You've talked about some of them, but what are some of those permanent changes? Yeah. So the most recent ones are really around our workforce. Okay. I think that, uh, I think we all, those of us who are in leadership positions have been a little bit surprised by what's changed and the shift in the labor workforce over the last several months. And we have heard loud and clear, again, if you listen very clearly to your people, they're telling us as we started to get ready to go back to offices, back to clients, that a percentage of them were not able to do so. And that for them, the most important thing from a work environment would be flexibility. And that if we didn't offer different options that perhaps PwC wouldn't be the place for them. So a month ago, we decided to offer a full-time virtual channel for everybody, including our client service practitioners, which honestly had never even been on the table for discussion as a leadership team. We thought flexibility was everybody was coming back in a flex profile. So we said most people will come back one to three days in the office or at a client site. And to us, that was flexibility. But again, our people told us, they said, no, we need something different. So that last month we offered fully virtual option. When we went out and told everybody that they were eligible, we had no idea if 10% of our workforce would sign up for it, if 100% of our workforce would sign up for it. But we said, we have confidence in ourselves that regardless of the outcome, we can figure it out and we need to make sure that we're continuing to build trust with our employees. And so we went out 
we're really thrilled with the response that we've gotten and with people that have said that they've stayed, they only stayed because we offered that. And now we get to flex our muscles and try something new. So I think we'll see more of those as we continue to evolve our people experience in light of, you know, really where the world is right now. Yeah, I saw just before we hopped into this interview, I, I saw there was a press release around productivity and PwC. Like there's been this kind of increase in productivity you've seen. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think there's been an increase in productivity. You have to question whether it's sustainable. I, we have seen an increase in productivity because all of the friction was taken out of the system over the last 18 months where you don't have to commute. There's no time in airplanes. But that friction time, some of it's really important. Mm. The friction time is where you get to think and you get to be in your own thoughts and you get to innovate and create and be strategic. Friction time is going to grab coffee with a friend and going to lunch. And it's that chatter that you have that actually you get some help and you learn something so that we can make our solutions for our clients even better. And so what I see now is people trying to figure out how to bring back that friction time, but not call it unproductive because I think it's massively productive and it will feel a little bit like two steps back to move five steps forward. Wow. That's, that's interesting. I I haven't heard anyone speak of it in that way around it. And I love, I love the idea of friction time and, and how you like, I wasn't thinking you were going to say how important it is, but then as you explained, I'm like, wow, you're right. These are all necessary ingredients that relates to this outcome, whatever the outcome is, this friction time is key. Airplane time is some of my best thinking time. I had forgotten that myself. I didn't go on an airplane for 15 months. I used to travel to at least two cities a week, if not three. Wow. And so 15 months, not on an airplane. And I really had forgotten how important that time is for me. There's, I don't log on to the Wi-Fi. I sit and I think, and I do some of my best strategic thinking when I cannot call anybody, no texts are coming in and there's no emails coming in. Wow. So what does it look like now to think? What does it look like for JC LaPierre to think these days? You know, so I haven't totally found, I think what my new center will be. I, I think that I'm still a little bit caught in between I'm not going back to what it was. I don't want it to be what it was the last 15 months. I live in a very small space and I got, you know, I couldn't have that be my gym, my kitchen, my workspace, (laughs) where I sleep. It got to be a lot. But I really do enjoy, like I said, flying now. I'm probably going away two to three weeks a month. Now I'm visiting some of our other offices, meeting people, going to see clients again. And for me, it is that transition time where I do my thinking. Mm. And the other time for me where I get my best thinking in is first thing in the morning. Mm. I love, I try not to do and book any meetings first thing in the morning because over my first cup of coffee, I love to just sit and think. And uh, with the sun rising and a cup of coffee, I feel like I can accomplish anything. Do you feel like there is a lot of pressure? Because I, you know, for me, outside looking in, I know your role. I know the massive scale. So someone like you just taking time to think, there's impact. There's a lot of impact there, right? And so I'm curious how you navigate that now. Now you've been there, you're seasoned and seasoned executive, so you've been there. And I just wonder kind of how you view that. If you view the pressure of the decisions you make as a leader at PwC impact your customers, your coworkers, your colleagues, how do you navigate that piece? Yeah, I come back to PwC being the ultimate team sport. I... I don't do anything myself. And if I did, then I wouldn't be the leader that PwC needs me to be. And so I really spend so much time talking to others before I make ultimate decisions. And 
we agree as a leadership team, our, our senior partner, CEO equivalent, Tim Ryan, he's exceptional about making it very clear that every decision we make as a leadership team is a decision on behalf of the leadership team. And our successes are really owed to our people because they are the ones that work really hard day to day. And the things that we get wrong collectively as a team, we will own. Mm. So I, I don't feel pressure and I'm very comfortable making decisions. However, the magnitude of it at times, I really never want to take for granted the importance of it. Like it's just, it's really important to never lose sight of the fact, even though you make a ton of decisions in a day that you are making decisions that affect the livelihood of 55,000 people. And the day that you stop recognizing the enormity of that decision to me is a day that perhaps you maybe want to leave that leadership role. Mm. Last time on the podcast, you talked about the importance of integrating teams and not siloing. Of course, now in this new world we're in, how do you, how are you kind of maintaining a really effective kind of cross-pollination, you know, across departments as time passes? Yeah, it's so fun. So I have internal comms, external comms, marketing, brand, creative, and sales enablement that sits underneath uh, me. And we've done a couple of things. I'll just name a couple of them. And again, it's hard and we are still on our journey. Um, Lots more to do, but the team's done an incredible job. One, we combined our internal and external comms teams. I mean, really, there is no internal and external anymore. What, what is internal is external and vice versa. So PwC has one source of truth. We only have one source of truth. And so we shouldn't be trying to tell two different stories. The other thing we're hugely focused on, and I've mentioned this, is our stakeholders. And not just stakeholders broadly, but really diving into the various audiences and trying to create customized and personalized journeys for them. Again, this is a longer term vision and we are on the way. But when we focus on what we need to do for our clients, but not just our clients, for all of the CFOs that we serve, for all of the COOs that we serve, for the CEOs that we serve, when we think about internal, and I want to talk about how we communicate to our people, let's talk about how we communicate to our brand new joiners. Let's talk about how we communicate to managers who are just promoted. Then you ask the team to rally behind that. That's how you create the teams that naturally need to come together to serve that stakeholder rather than how we're organized internally. And again, it's not, it's not easy. We're still working you know, to break down those silos each and every day. But the more we focus on stakeholder and audience and personalization, the easier it does become. And I'll just go back to one of the other points we made. The team doesn't have to keep recreating stories or recreating what they are that they're doing. We have to just be consistent and simple and measured in terms of how we bring our audiences along. Wow. You mentioned these channels that, you know, as you said, internal, external comms, marketing. was the third one? Uh, sales enablement. Okay. So well, as you describe those things, I'm thinking those are each their own fire hose. <laughs> like there's a lot that's, there's a lot that's going. I, I just imagine you kind of, you know, having these four buttons that when you push this one button, it opens up an entire world of what's happening in marketing. I mean, I can't even imagine <laughs> what, like how you choose to engage with each of those th- those lines of business because they're critical. And I know organizations that are big, that have one person devoted at the top to each of those, you're devoted to, you know, to all, all of those at the same time. And so I just, how do you ride that the wave of what's going on inside of these channels? Because there's so much globally at scale with all these brands, like, (laughs) 
Yeah, you must you must just meditate and find this like just peaceful Zen flow. I mean, that's just amazing. I feel that and I'm like, I don't know. I just plug in at night to the matrix. I don't like sleep much. So Got it. I have incredible leaders over each of those. We have a marketing yep. leader. We have a comms leader. We have a sales enablement leader. And then they have leadership teams. And I really trust and empower them to run and to do what they need to do. We bring them together often. I'm meeting with my leadership team at two o'clock this afternoon. Um, and we stay really connected to each other and we communicate nonstop. And I think to me, key to any community, key to any relationship is communication. And I think that it's in how you communicate. Hmm. So I spend an hour with each of them every week and we spend an hour together as a team every week and everyone knows their mission. Everyone knows their objectives. Then they know, reach out to me when they have big hurdles, big obstacles, reach out to me if you need me to celebrate somebody's success, but I trust you to go and to run. Hmm. On that idea of, of, of trust that, you know, in the last time you talked about the the trustworthiness of the PwC brand, what does kind of the early 2022 portion of this bigger campaign look like in terms of messages and channels you're going to be using? Yeah, such a great question. So we will continue to build on our campaign. So when we launched the new equation, we did want to do something different and show up differently in the marketplace. And so we put a big campaign out into the market. We exercise all of the different channels that are available. And I think we had 6,000 of our people post the same day about the new equation and launching it, which was incredible. And going into traditional media, going into non-traditional, even looking at streaming channels, building partnerships. So we have done wave one and wave two. And we now are going from awareness to build. So what that looks like, if you think about our core message, we, PwC, we are a community of solvers that bring the best of humans plus tech to help our clients build trust and deliver sustained outcomes. We will continue to build upon that and go deep in some of the areas where we are bringing the best of humanity plus the great parts of technology together to bear to do that. We will pick specific areas like cyber. We will pick specific areas like how we are helping people to reimagine their value chains. And we will continue to build in telling the stories of how we stand ready to help our clients as they need to do those things. We do have a number of new partnerships. Um, again, some you might expect, some you might not expect. Places like Fortune, Wired, Blavity, NPR, The New Yorker, and we'll continue to use our people. I think our people are some of our best brand ambassadors and making sure that they feel confident, not only in telling our story, but that they are enormous parts of the story and they're executing our story and they're building that strategy every step of the way with us. Are they still called citizens? <laughs> we did have our citizen-led effort. No, now we're a community of solvers. Ah, I love that. Okay, because I remember there was some, we talked about citizens a bit with, with Sunit, okay. Well, Sunit definitely talked about that because with the last strategy we had was called Your Tomorrow. And ah. that's when we digitally upskilled the entirety of our firm. And so okay. we had an enormous citizen-led upskilling effort, which was awesome. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, yeah Sunit yeah. helped lead that and he did a phenomenal job. What do you think is like the, I, th I think about one, one part of this is like just changing directions and having to pivot and shift. To me, there seems like that would be difficult at a huge organization sometimes like, okay, we have to shift and pivot. Something's changed. Are you finding that you're able to move quick enough and pivot when you need to? Because to me, you may set the strategy and measure the adoption of the strategy, but then there's still many to be shifts and there, that might change the strategy. And so 
what does that look like, I guess, at PwC and in, in your you know experience? Because is it is it pretty easy to shift and pivot or? I think that it depends. <laughs> um, I would say it depends on if it's a small step or a big step. I I like to consider it, like, change is inevitable. And in today's day and age, and I, there's such a negative association with the word change. And so we try to talk about it as we're taking steps together. And we're always going to be taking steps together on this journey as we evolve, as the world evolves, as what our clients' needs evolves. And we take some steps that are smaller and some steps that are bigger. And I would say our organization got really, really good at small steps where we can take a big problem and break it down into smaller steps and then bring everybody along and say, for this six months, we need you to focus on this. And the digital upskilling was a perfect example. The first six months of digital upskilling, all we asked people to do was take an assessment to baseline your understanding and then take two learning modules. That's all you have to do in six months. Small step. You didn't think that you were trying to go on a digital transformation effort. You, <laughs> you didn't think that you were digitally transforming PwC by doing that, but we made it really small. The next six months, we needed to go to, go to one digital academy. Two days. That's it. Go to this digital academy. See what you can learn and then maybe just try it out on your engagements and what you're doing. See how you can build a bot. See how you can try to do an automation differently than how you used to do it. No big deal. Six months, you've got to do it. Again, you don't think that you're personally digitally transforming PwC. When we do those small steps and we make it really easy for our people to understand, I would say we've gotten really good at it. I would say the last 18 months, it has gotten harder. And I think that it's some of the things that we've already talked about, that the landscape and the world has gotten significantly harder. People's lives have gotten harder to balance. And so introducing more change on top of a world that seems to change every day has become more difficult. And then we announced a really big new strategy and we took a very big step together as the first part of that strategy, which will continue on for the, for the next few years. And I think that we are all still absorbing it and we're all still getting comfortable with it. And I think that's to be expected. And I think that is totally okay. And I couldn't be more excited for the opportunity ahead of us and for what we've already accomplished together. Yeah, that's amazing. It's clear that you... And, you know, the ELT at PwC, like the support is real there. Like there's support. There's like, it's just in corporate America. I haven't always seen that type of support and that trust at the top. And it's like, okay, they actually, there's this, there's this solid trust with the ELT at PwC. And you can really feel that, you know, with everything you're doing, we're all in this together. It's like, we're all in this together. No one's more important than the other. We make decisions together. We fail together. We learn together, but you actually mean it, which I think is awesome. Yeah. The only other thing that I would say is, I think you talk about trust and it seems such a big esoteric thing. And you talk about the, talked about the adapt forces, which when you think about them, they also become very overwhelming when you think about the things that we have to contend with as a society. And I, like my um, counterparts on the leadership team, get the incredible privilege of talking to a lot of our clients. And we talked about the responsibility for business leaders What I am so optimistic about as we end 21 and we start to move into a new calendar year is this genuine desire to do different. And I really, for all of the ills that face us, and I know that it's a lot, like I said, I am so encouraged and hugely optimistic that the business community has been, but will continue to, in an increasing way, step up and help lead the way through some of these things. And so I just want to make sure that I impart that because again, I think that sometimes it can be can be hard to find the bright spots in some of the days. Mm. Well, I appreciate 
the entirety of your share today. And I know that the leaders across the Fortune 500, the Global 2000, will be listening to this. And this is just exceptional. Thanks for coming back, JC, for a round two. Um, that doesn't always happen. And I'm super excited that you made time uh, to connect with us. And it's just an honor. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. This podcast, Marketing Trends Podcast, is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. We've got JC Lapierre in the house today. Lightning round, first question, JC. How did the Pan Mass Challenge go for you this August? Oh my gosh. The last 30 miles, I almost fell off my bike several times. So (laughs) let me just be honest, and hopefully none of my um, colleagues that I ride with are listening to this. I didn't train once for this event. So hopping on your bike to do 200 miles in two days, I would not recommend that being your first outdoor ride on the bike of the year. So, oh my gosh, just a little note to all of you out there. (laughs) Wow. Okay. This is the kind of leader we're talking to. Um, the kind of leader that also says yes to a 200-mile bike race after, after having not prepped for it. Wow. Okay. Um, next question. Your LinkedIn also says that you've been to Kenya as part of the Flying Kites Initiative. What's the best part about that experience? Uh, I've been to Kenya seven times. So I've been on the board wow. of Kites for eight years. It is a school network, um, a community of schools that we work with to help uplift and to help drive better learning outcomes for kids in rural Kenya. I would say that my favorite part of going to Kenya is seeing the joy and the happiness on these kids' faces. I just, there is nothing like the smiles of those kids when you go to the schools and just spend some time with them. And side note, they love to take selfies. I will give them my phone and later I will find like (laughs) 25,000 selfies on my phone. That's funny. I love that. That's awesome. I've been to South Africa twice and I had a roommate that was from Kenya. I've not been to Kenya, but that's a... Oh, you have to go. Are you planning on going back? Yes, uh, early next year. Can't wait to get there. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Um, you're Okay, if you weren't in marketing or business strategy, what would you be doing? Oh, back to bartending, where I started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has to come full circle, right? Okay, okay. Full circle moments. Oh. I'm going back to sling drinks and I am going to have fun. <laughs> I love it. Okay, also your LinkedIn says you're based in Boston. Are you still based in Boston? I am, yep. Okay, favorite thing to do in Boston on your day off? Oh, just to walk all of Boston. It is a city, but it is really small and you can walk from end to end in the course of a day and just explore fall foliage is my favorite time of year and see the leaves turning, go watch the Patriots play and some football and all is good in the world. I love it. Okay. Last question. Super easy one. What can you share with other leaders that are listening in about how you cultivate safety and support with your leaders and your teams? Oh, such a good question. Uh, I think through allowing for truly candid conversation, I think in making sure that you create a space where your leaders can show up as who they truly are, but how, where they can feel safe telling you anything when they don't quite get it right, when they have questions that they don't know the answers to, but making it really safe by showing your own vulnerability and making sure it's clear that you also don't have all the answers and that you have those same thoughts daily with your boss but to make it really clear that everything is on the table if it's in the pursuit of doing better for each other, for our firm. Mm, I love it. That's great. JC, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.